Hello guys and welcome to the Blue Co Project episode 5. This is Matt, your host, talking about the Arsenal review and today we have not one person, not two people, not three, not four, but five of us here today. Um, I'll start with the usual guys, Brian and Jared, how are you guys doing? Um, I'm doing very well. I'm really looking forward to speak on this game because there's a lot of misconceptions within this fan base about what happened. I'd like to set the record straight. And the first thing that I will say about it is that Misha Mudrik has exercised some serious demons. And he gave every single one of those 15 Arsenal fans in the stadium a big old motherfuck you. Woo! All 15 of them. Troops and his other 14 jabronis. Big ol' hold that. How are we doing, Matthew? I'm good. I'm, I'm, so I'm expecting a let's have it right kind of <sighs> type of stuff from you today. A little <laughs> bit of Johnny right. Minerals. Oh, oh yeah, a lot of minerals. A lot of minerals. A lot of vitamins yesterday. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was some saucy stuff. And I, I had a hilariously good time watching the game. And all the when Mudrick's goals. When we talk about Mudrick's goal, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what happened because I was on the phone with somebody, and then something happened. <laughs> and Justice, how you doing? I'm doing super fantastic. You know, I watched my team actually play a, a a game of football for the first time, and it seems like forever. You know, I don't know what we've been playing, but it definitely wasn't that good. Hasn't been that good. Uh, it has been on the improvement, but. Uh, I'd really like to thank uh, Miss Molina for being here. You know, she's breaking up the old sausage party and probably bringing a, a different uh, uh, perspective on the whole situation. So I just want to say welcome to Miss Molina. Yes, yeah, so we did have to invite an Arsenal fan and also someone from America's hat. Um, what hat, Molina, are you? Bucket you hat, America's okay. hat. <laughs> but I'm proud to be on here after, I think, two seasons it's been since I've been on the pod. So thanks for having me back. And more importantly, I'm happy to break down this game from my point of view. And also, I think collectively, we'd agree um, it was our worst performance in, I'll say, two seasons since lockdown that I've seen Arsenal. Yeah. Um, we were so disjointed. But I know we'll get get into it later with a breakdown. But more or less, thanks for having me. And hopefully you all take it easy on me. But even if you don't, I'll rip my team apart before you guys do so. <laughs> that's a that's a promise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would say worst worst Arsenal performance, but partially because we completely out nullified you. Nothing to do with you, and everything to do with us personally. But there you go. Um, the final guest, and finally, Paul is on time to a podcast. Paul, how are you doing? Pleasure to be here, guys. I, I wish I could say I'm doing as well as everybody else, but I mean that game was two points dropped. Let's let's not get it twisted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we might as well get into it. Um, it as frustrating as it was, I take away so many positives, Matt Ball. So many positives from that game. You know, you got the angle of Mark Kukurea, who has publicly stated he would like to go to Manchester United. You know, whether you want to call it an NBA trade request, James Harden style. Uh, I think that that request has been rescinded. I think that Mark Kukurea has just played his way back onto this team. 
and not just onto this team for the next two months, but I think in perpetuity. I believe that he's going to be on this team for a long time, and he should be because it, you look at him last season. He he had some horrendous moments. Real Madrid, uh, the slide against Rodrigo, where he just completely misses the ball and the person. Um, there are some other games, uh, the game against Man City, where where he, he, he just made it very difficult for the manager to trust him because he was making such outlandish mistakes. But there was other games, like his first game for Chelsea, where he was excellent. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, man, there's this profound disparity between the player that I think he is and the player that he's been showing. And I know there's a good player in there. And over the last four games, he has shown it. You know, another one, Malo Gusto. Another fine performance outside of maybe one or two mistakes. But you're going against one of the most devastating players in, in the sport. And the guy didn't do a fucking thing. So those two players in particular are what Matt referred to as the nullification of Arsenal's tactics. Those two players in particular are uh, responsible for that. You know, and then I would say the other players that stood out, obviously the genius Cole Palmer, brilliant player. I'm so glad I was wrong about him. Uh, and then <laughs> I can't believe well, I'm think- saying this. Hold on. I can't believe I'm saying this. But Connor fucking Gallagher. Oh my god! Wow, <laughs> I I've got some egg on my face. I'm a big old dummy because he's another one that has been absolutely outstanding, and in particular for that game. So those are some of the takeaways I took from the game. Our style of play was excellent, and our attitude, our attitude, our willingness to be patient in our defense, in our setup. In our tactics, I mean, the whole thing was was like super, super positive. Negatives, obviously, Robert Sanchez, but I'm not gonna hold it against him. We're we're a passing team out of the back, but for now, I'm gonna stick with the Potters because I'm so pleased with how we played. Yeah, I mean, just as what what obviously you mentioned kind of before that we are playing football, actual football once again. What what are your kind of main takeaways from this match? And I, I'm only going to ask for positives. I don't want negatives at the moment. We spoke enough negativity about Chelsea yeah, in, in the past 12 to 18 months. So positives, please. Well, I, I'm not going to go over the ones that, that, that Carlito has already highlighted. I, I, I will go over. I will bring Maurizio Pochettino into this. He had oh. a plan to nullify the way Arsenal plays. He had a plan. And that plan was to drop Cole Palmer on either Zinchenko and later on Tamiyasu, as they came into the midfield, he would drop as, as a, you know, a false nine and sit because they like to pass the ball to Zinchenko or Tamiyasu when they come into the midfield to create an overload. But if you sit your, a false nine on them, they can't do that. And that right there nullified the way Arsenal likes to play. They didn't have that overload anymore. And because Zinchenko was always coming into the midfield and not being productive, it opened up that right-hand side for, for Gusto and, and uh, for, for um, Sterling. And, and my, my God, Cole Palmer, some of the passes he was making, I'm like, dude, you cannot make those passes at your age. That's not correct. That's not yeah. right. And um, stop that because that should be illegal and in certain countries. Because the man was absolutely <laughs> picking apart somebody's defense. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, for, for me, that one 
that one thing, putting him at false nine and having him drop in on whichever, you know, you know, the, the left-handed back they bring into the to the midfield. That was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, you had, you had Zinchenko saying that he's going to suck a punch, Mudrick, if he does anything against Chelsea. But Cole Palmer gave him the footballing sucker punch because Zinchenko was nowhere to be seen. The other thing, because, Matt, I want to talk about this for a second here, because this has become a hipster Pep Guardiola bullshittery thing where one of their outside backs becomes the fourth midfielder for a little bit. Like, they don't do it all the time, but he's he has copied Guardiola with that tactic. And I think this season it has become passe. I think that it is overstated its welcome, and those that know how to play against it have figured it out. Because... When you do take a defender out of a defensive position, you leave that space vulnerable. It is very simple. So if, if that guy's not there, there's there's a huge hole and a huge amount of vulnerability for the defense. When you just completely abandon an assignment and come into the midfield because you think it's cool because your daddy Pep Guardiola does it, uh, well, okay, now that space is vulnerable. And every single time they did it, we exploited it. It was beautiful. I mean, I just think it's ridiculous. I think people keep trying to... Uh, it's a lot of managers nowadays. They they keep trying to copy Pep just to think that Pep's tactics work on every single team. But there's no point of copying the master's plan. You need to find your own plan to beat the master. Because no matter what, City are always going to be better at their own plan than you are. Um, and Zinchenko, he's not he's not any of the Man City players. He's not a Kanji. He's not John Stones. It leaves the gap wide open and it doesn't get filled. And Chelsea take, took well a lot of advantage with that. Um, and I think Zinchenko, you, I don't know whether Molina agrees, but you talk to a few Arsenal fans and actually a lot of them don't like Zinchenko from what I've heard. Um, which, watching this, watching the majority of this game, I completely agree with because he just was just tactically and awareness so poor. Um Paul, before we go to Molina uh, to talk about what went wrong or right with Arsenal, um, anything to add in terms of Chelsea positives? Absolutely. This uh, great nullification, as everyone seems to be calling it on this podcast, which (laughs) I agree with, uh, was Maurizio Pochettino's marquee marquee performance so far for Chelsea and it just showed his tactical genius uh he absolutely had the guys ready and motivated and it was a pleasure to watch it really was I don't I don't think that can go understated that we finally have the right manager and um yeah we're starting to see the uh positives come from it but but in the Lampard uh, was that a question? <laughs> think, think, think that uh, Lampard's record speaks for itself. Yeah, yeah you better believe it, pal. Um, but uh, Cole Palmer, I mean, I think Carlito had every right to be a little, uh, you know, a little bit. He had to prove it to him. But that being said, he got the hair right. He got a nice haircut. And guess yeah. what? Let, let's get this right. Carlito just didn't break the hair. That's player. what it was uh, about. He had a <laughs> garbage mod haircut. He had a mod. Absolutely. It's it's a it's not only the player. It's not only the skills. You got to have the salad to go with it. You got to so, have the lettuce. You know, it's a full it's a full full package deal. 
But yeah, I mean, Carl Palmer, unlike his hair, is doing some good performances. And, and I, I agree, I think he's one of the best players on the pitch. And since he's come into the team, has looked fantastic. Um, not in the same way, but almost when we were in pre-season, the way in Cuckoo was just demanding and running this team and being the, 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 the big point in the team. Carl Palmer's doing it, but in a different way. Um, and I think this is what excites me about this team is we've still got Nkuku to come back. And I'd, I'd love it to see how these two work together and how it all works and all fits into place. Um, I think it could be fantastic. Uh, last, Matt, last thing before we get to Molina, the fact that he can play striker is excellent. I mean, it just is, adds to the versatility. This is actual Man City players that actually are tactically flexible. Yes. This is why Pep's system works fantastically, because these players can play anywhere. And it's not like it's not like Kai Havertz, who people think he can play everywhere, but actually he doesn't play any position well. Um, he's just average everywhere. But Cole Palmer... And, and it, Cole, no, who was talking about Cole Palmer like, at this time last year? No one. A few Man City fans, probably. He's just coming to this Chelsea team, and he's walked in and just... He's taken taken the team by stride, and he's just fantastic. Um, no, no complaints about Cole Palmer at all. Um, I, I I looked at the, the starting lineup, and typical British negativity. It's like, oh, why haven't we got a striker? Um, we're not going to score enough goals against this team. Um, but I was shut up completely um, with Cole Palmer and Misha Mudrick doing a wonder class. Um, and just the way we attacked Arsenal as well. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, Melina, you guys, yeah. Arsenal, came with the big guns. It's, I, I saw it of all your big YouTubers saying, oh, 10 out of 11 players in this team combined 11. It's Arsenal are the best. We're the big man. Uh, Chelsea are the minnows. And yet, it had to take a pretty poor mistake for you to even get a point in this game. Um First of all, what did you think of Chelsea? And then second of all, what went wrong for Arsenal? Okay, so first, before we go into the breakdown of the game in Arsenal's perspective, I would like Ryan to come off mute and attest to this. I told Ryan before the game even started, I think about two, three hours before, I said Mudrik will score against Arsenal today. Oh yeah, and um, yeah, and I, I didn't I didn't mean it as a joke. Just score, I didn't say it, I didn't say it as a joke. I, I actually said this guy's gonna take revenge on Arsenal today for all the memes and all the you know <laughs> a wannabe 007 comments we made. Um, guys, honestly, I don't know where to start, so I'm just gonna start from worst to dog shit to absolute worst. Um, Jorginho. Jorginho should never be starting games for Arsenal Football Club. He's meant to be a substitute player to come off the bench when we need to control the tempo of the game. Jorginho was one of the worst players on the pitch yesterday. Zinchenko. Zinchenko is a player I've never rated. Someone who constantly cries, whines, and never knows how to make a direct pass. He keeps playing, coming out of position um, and doesn't seem like he's all there technically to stay focused during a game. Uh, Chelsea dominated us in midfield for 70 minutes. I don't care about other Arsenal content creators saying, oh, Chelsea didn't really control the midfield. They dominated us for 70 minutes in our midfield. And the only player in our midfield who stood up and tried was Declan Rice. And there were 300 plus million players on the pitch. 
uh, Casado, Enzo, and and Declan Rice. Um, Declan Rice and Cole Palmer, in my opinion, were the best players on the pitch. It took Sanchez to make mistakes and give us an early Christmas for us to actually get a point out of this game. Chelsea would have been 4-0, 5-0 up. And I'm not I'm not being sarcastic. It's the truth. Chelsea would have been 4-0, 5-0 up. Nicholas Jackson had a chance one-on-one with the keeper. Uh, David Raya, everyone praised Raya saying he has more composure than Ramsdale. He doesn't have composure. It's been several games. I don't see the Brentford Raya. I'm seeing some Bristol City Raya, like a VTech Raya. I'm not seeing... I'm not seeing the qualities and characteristics of why Ramsdale should be dropped. I understand for this Chelsea performance, he was unavailable due to family reasons, but all the Arsenal fans saying, oh, Raya deserves to start. Like, can you see how shaky we look? Mudrick had a one-on-one easy chance with David Raya. Like, we shouldn't be conceding goals like that. And our midfield was so disconnected yesterday. Our captain was nowhere to be found. And I love Odegaard. I feel like Odegaard's a really good player, very vocal. Yesterday, Chelsea on um, both flanks shut down our wings, so there was no supply. And then when you're pairing Odegaard and Jorginho, there's no um, combination or quality of play between the two. Jesus was non-existent. Saka, before the assist, was nowhere to be found. And despite the result of a draw, which we made it out alive with with a draw, which could have easily been three points dropped, by the way, uh, we like Chelsea dominated us for 70 minutes, closed down the outlet supplies, and everyone knows how to figure us out easily. When you shut down the, the wings, the right-hand side was so weak for Chelsea to easily go through us. Uh, Raheem Sterling was playing like the Sterling we know from Man City. Our midfield was really poor, and uh, Thomas Partey, he went for Ghana for international duty and is never fully fit. He's made out of glass. Um, and I'm just speaking about him on the pitch um, specifically. But I never want to see Jorginho in a big six game again. Our midfield was vacated, and he was he, he was tasked with one job, to control Enzo Fernandez, who was often getting the ball on the wide sides, and he couldn't even do that. He couldn't do anything favorable to us, and it, it felt like he was being the, the agent for Chelsea Football Club. Um, and Chelsea didn't even need the help of Jorginho. We got cooked by fucking Cucurella. We gave Cucurella and Connor Gallagher. We gave... Guys, it's not funny. We gave Connor Gallagher a career. We gave Connor Gallagher, like, like his footballing ability back. That's humiliating. And I saw Jared said in the group chat that Connor Gallagher is voted for um, Man of the Match contestation because he got an assist. Arsenal gave that, like, gifted that to him. Come on, like... We saw bum players. We thought Martinelli's going to cook um, uh, Malagusto. Saka's going to cook Cucurella. Cucurella still has Bukayo Saka in his back pocket. And that's coming from me. I was very embarrassed, ashamed of the whole team's performance. I can only name um, two or three players that stood out to me, like one of the better apples in the bad bunch. Declan Rice, Tommy Asu, and um, Trossard. Trossard, every time he comes on as a substitution, he tries to save the day. And I know it wouldn't have happened if, if um, Sanchez didn't help us in, in that sense. Uh, Chelsea were really unlucky to not win the game. And then before I even mentioned the penalty decision with Jesus, um, that Jesus um, 
situation. We didn't need a penalty to win this game. We were really poor and could have easily lost the game four or five nil to begin with before the VAR decision wasn't even checked by VAR. We can't keep relying on officiating decisions to save us in games. If we had a convincing performance beforehand and played like we actually cared to win the game, we look like we were settling for a defeat. It's just humiliating and we're creating our own problems. Arteta's not picking his best 11. Whether or not Thomas Partey was fully fit, we shouldn't be starting Jorginho. And then Jorginho and Declan Rice, it didn't work together. Um, Raya was really poor. I don't understand why Ramsdale's dropped. There's a lot of concerns I'm seeing with this Arsenal team. And to be very honest with you guys, even though we spent um, 105 million on Declan Rice, and I know Timber's injured, we look like we've re regressed from last season. We look like we're falling apart and look like a shadow of ourselves. And it wasn't just because of this Chelsea performance. We've not had a convincing performance. The only convincing win we have is against fucking Bournemouth. Bournemouth is the level of convincing performance it takes for Arsenal to have. Um, and Zinchenko, he, it just looks like he's too focused on things offside of the pitch. Um, he's trying to play in positions where it doesn't suit him. And our midfield was very disconnected yesterday. And the front four in attack were, were woeful. Um, I just think all of these players need to take some accountability and fix up for the Sevilla performance away from home. This isn't the kind of performances we should be playing against Chelsea. Everyone makes fun of Chelsea for being in 10th place. But Chelsea are a lot better on the eye test than you see in results-wise. I think you guys were really unlucky. And I said it yesterday. You guys deserve to win the game. Even before we got the two goals, I said, guys, you dominated us. You played really well. I messaged um, Ryan privately and I said, Ryan, like, congratulations. Uh, you're, you're bossing it. Because oh, yeah. I saw Chelsea show levels to this Arsenal team. And it was embarrassing and very disappointing to see Arsenal, like, fall apart after conceding two goals to, to Chelsea. We didn't even try. We had no chances created in the first half. It was humiliating. Wow. <laughs> there you go. Well, I, I'm, ju I'm just speechless. Um, I mean, to be fair, Molina does very well at slagging our own team off. So then when we slag it off, it doesn't feel as bad. Um, very good tactic by Molina. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, Arsenal. I mean, Elegantly done. If, if you told me Arsenal were sitting in 10th place and Chelsea were up the top watching that match without looking at the other games, I'd probably say, yeah, Arsenal looked like the mid-table team yesterday. Um, and I, 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 I think everyone's been saying that Arsenal's fantastic, this, fantastic, that. But they, they haven't looked that good, I don't think. Um, and that's why I was a bit more confident of this game. Um, and we were just... Unlucky. Well, we shot ourselves in the foot a little bit, but yeah. I mean, I'd argue the one thing I'd say, Melina, that was probably wrong. You, you mentioned uh, we get you gave um, Conor Gallagher his um, technical ability back. I, I don't think he's ever had technical ability, so I think you just gave him technical ability. Full stop. Um, we've never seen that. We don't, we don't see that see that at all many times. Um, right. So let's let's go straight into under goals. Really. I mean, starting off, Cole Palmer. Um, obviously penalty which there was a lot of arguments between kind of Sterling and Cole Palmer I think Sterling was put in his place <laughs> by Enzo Fernandez 
brilliantly. By the way, why is Enzo Fernandez not captain? I don't care. He speaks enough English for me for him to be captain. But there you go. He's awesome. um, He's acting captain. Any, I, I heard some Arsenal fans saying it wasn't a penalty. Personally, what? It's a stonewall penalty. Are we, are we Sorry, all in conjunction that it's a stonewall penalty? Oh. If that's not a penalty, there's no such thing as handball. <laughs> I, 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 so obviously, I was, I was away, I was away for the first time. Right, that was um, a clear penalty, and if that was Arsenal crying for the penalty, our fans would be on their knees demanding that's a penalty. Keep oh, yeah. it moving. That was a penalty. Yeah, I mean, I was away for the first half, so I didn't actually see the penalty till I looked on my phone after in the second half in the pub, and I, I couldn't believe that people were saying that this wasn't a penalty. And this is why when I see people criticising referees, I'm like, well, the football fan ain't that much better at making decisions because we're all fucking idiots in terms of reading the game. Um, Matt, Matt, is, Matt is in the tank for big refereeing. He, he's, a, he's a lobbyist for big ref. Hey, FA, just sign me up. I could do a better job than all these twats, um, to be honest. Um, but it is what it is. Um, let's just get on to the, the, best, the best goal of the game. Um, Misha Madrick, um, absolutely shutting down every single Arsenal fan that was running their mouth for the last eight, nine months um, in the most beautiful way. Um, Carlito, I'm going to start with you and just ask one question. Did he mean it? Yep. Whether he's lying or not, I don't give a shit. Like, it, it... David Raya is not the only goalkeeper in the world to cheat on a cross, right? He probably thought that, you know, he could cheat that cross, collect the ball, and then immediately play it out to their D-mid on a counterattack, okay? Goalkeepers do this all the time. They cheat off their line all the time on crosses because they want to be anticipatory about the movement and the play and the ball. Great. You picked the wrong time to do it, pal. Because you were really off your line, really off your line. And Mudrik decided to uh, actually make an inefficient shot because that's an impossible goal. These things, these goals never go in. And yet it did. And well, when, whether he when, wanted when you, to When do, you're as technically gifted as Mudrik is. He's, he's a brilliant young man. He's a handsome young man. He's a brilliant young man. Now, whether he meant to do it or not is irrelevant because... It'll only go down in the history books as a great goal and not as a fluke. And the, the goal itself, so I was on the phone with former VP of media at RSL, my friend Taylor Cameron, who I'm sure will listen to this episode because he's a buddy of mine. And I'm on the phone with Taylor, and I'm like, shit, man, Arsenal is shitting the bed in this game. They are playing horrible. And then all of a sudden, Mudrik, <laughs> Mudrik scores the most irrepressible goal you could possibly imagine and as soon as he does that it I, he must have thought that i had a stroke because i went absolutely berserk on that goal i like fell over i collapsed i was <laughs> screaming uh, I, I, I was apoplectic and he's like ryan are you okay what happened and i'm like Modric just scored the best goal I've ever seen. And I just went fucking crazy. And uh, and then he's like, okay, I got to turn this game on. And he goes, oh, my God. 
what? And uh, it was it was a moment in time, a moment I will never forget, because he seriously thought that there was something wrong with me. <laughs> and it's because the goal was dope. And David Raya, oh, welcome to High Stakes Football, buddy. I don't know if you're meant for this, because you. I've watched you play. I've watched Ramsdale play. And I, I don't believe the goalkeepers are real people. I think they're second-class citizens. But Ramsdale's so much better than you. This is a this is a uh, spending money just for the sake of spending money. Mikel Arteta move. He shouldn't have bought Raya. It, Ramsdale is is a much better player. But he cheated on the line, and Mudrik brutalized him for it. What a goal! What a celebration! Christ the Redeemer, absolutely phenomenal. The scenes. My father, father must have choked on like a a a, a pretzel at his seat. Right, just going nuts. What a goal. What a moment. Yeah, I mean, just as it, it just had to be Mudrick in that situation to do that goal, didn't it? It couldn't it, it wouldn't it wouldn't have been right if it was any other player. Well, yeah, I mean we're Chelsea, so we're used to selling somebody, them come play on us and then hitting you know, scoring a banger against us. That just happens what every twice a year again when we play Man City and, and KDB does it. So for, for Mudrick to do that, I know he never played for Arsenal, but you wouldn't know that from some of the tweets you can pull up from archive. Um, yeah, and I think it, it for him, he's starting, you know, that's three and three. He scored for his country as well, or is it four and four, something like that. He's starting to click. It's starting to all come together for him. And, and when somebody has this amount of talent, he can start building confidence. He's a type of player, if he gets on a roll, he can carry your team for nice. a while. He's so good, man. And oh. we need somebody that can consistently put the ball in the back of the net. And I don't care who it is. I don't, you know, I don't care where he's from, you know, anything. I don't care. As long as I have somebody who can put the ball in the back of the net consistent on a consistent basis, I'm a happy dude. And like I said, if, it, if he's going to be the guy that does it, fair play. Because, you know... He's got a lot of detractors out there. He's always going to have detractors out there because of where he's from, and we don't need to get into that, but we all know. So for for the sake of him, I hope he keeps this up just because, you know, it's nice to see somebody that is coming from a place of struggle that succeeds. That's always a good story. It doesn't matter who it is, but if they're struggling in their life and they succeed, it's just a great story. You know, call Hallmark, write a card. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Paul, that that goal, absolutely unbelievable. Um, what? Any, any other thoughts on it at all that the guys haven't already yeah, said? Just, just a great moment. And you know, twenty-two years old, big price tag, uh, a lot of noise. There, there's. It's going to take some time, as we've seen, but he's starting to show signs. So. Let's hope that's what really puts him over the edge and he makes that position his. Indeed, indeed. And, well, finally, Melina, Melina, Melina. Um, it just had to be Madrid. And do you think these arrogant Arsenal fans, um, obviously yourself not included in this, uh, Melina, she can be a bit mean, but she, mean Lena. as you've seen, she speaks real. Uh, she's mean for both Arsenal and Chelsea. Um, has that shut up every Arsenal fan that's been talking about Madrid? No, I don't time? think so. I 
the thing is with with our fan base like they're never gonna gonna stop an agenda or a narrative even when we're not in the position to talk that's like we have no ucls on the table to the point where i have to claim women's ucl to, um, <laughs> to sit on the same table so i don't i wouldn't be surprised if uh the slander still continues but with the madrigal as soon as it went in i i told uh ryan i said look i told you i knew it would happen and like what jared said just to add to that um the with the current world global situation um and on and off the pitch he was dealing with a lot like even with um i think people in the in your own fan base slating him and and saying he's not good he's not worth it but hopefully he continues to play well and i was genuinely happy for him to score i wouldn't have said he's gonna score um as a joke i, I meant it seriously and it did come to fruition but with that being said um this goes back to the keeper situation and i know ryan said Goalkeepers are the most useless position in football. Um, we saw that yesterday. We saw that yesterday transpire on the pitch. Um, David Raya, you know, that's the lack of ability to read the game. And I think with with him, he's just not ready. Keeping for Brentford and keeping for Arsenal are, I feel, two different levels and two different intensities. And Ramsdale shows that, although he's made some silly mistakes as well, I think you can see the, there's a night and day difference between the two of them. Yeah, you know, I, whenever I'm feeling down, you know, every once in a while I like to go and look at videos from Arsenal Fan TV two years ago, three years ago, you know, especially when they lose or they play poorly. And then I look and it says, a lesson to arrogant Chelsea fans. And of course, it's none <laughs> other than Ty, because Ty will never concede anything to Chelsea. So I should never expect anything from that jabroni because even when he's trolling and he's lying through his teeth he is always going to slate my club that's okay okay <laughs> fair enough okay i get it that's the role that you play in the company i'm sure they pay you very well to be an asshole but the the, the <laughs> arsenal fan base yesterday i think they need to take a long hard look in the mirror because Holy shit, have they won a lot of trophies that they didn't win. Because they, you, y'all speak as though you are the greatest thing since yeah. sliced bread. That yeah. you guys are the number one team in the world, which Thank you're you. not. Uh, you're a very good team. Uh, you've played some nice results. Uh, the, the game against City was, was excellent. Excellent. Martinelli, awesome player. Bukayo Saka, really good player. Martin Odegaard, your best player. I love Martin Odegaard. All great stuff. But you got to show up for the big ones. And when it's this one in particular, it is a city game. It is a London game. You have to show up. And recently, you have. And recently, this has been a lopsided affair where Chelsea, for one reason or another, ends up losing the game, whether it's uh, Jorginho passing the ball back to Kepa and it goes in the goal, or ML Smith-Rowe carving a stop from the outside end, nice little slotted ball at the top of the box. Uh, you know, those games have happened recently to Chelsea where it's like Arsenal continues to pick up points with us. We felt as though we were off pace, and we have been off pace. Arsenal has been a better team for 18 months. They have been the better team. I do not believe that that is the case anymore. I do not believe that Arsenal, man for man, 
talent for talent as well as manager for manager, I do not believe that you are a better team than us. I think that we are very, not similar in style, but similar in quality. And I think that they, we are neck and neck. And the, the, the table does not justify where we really are at. Okay? We, that is all self-imposed, and I'm not making excuses. We have messed up a lot. We have dropped points all over the place. Nottingham Forest, uh, West Ham, um, Aston Villa, Ollie Watkins. Okay, we have dropped points all over the place. That is our fault. But right now, especially with Christo and Kunku coming back, with Romeo Lavia coming in, I do believe that we are going to seriously turn this season around. And I think top four – actually, it's top five now. I still uh, forget to say that. I do believe the top five is now absolutely in our sights. And uh, this is something that we should be expecting. Yeah, I mean, just just to, just to go back to one of Molina's points, um, Molina. Speaking about the Women's Champions League, can you remind me what group? What, what who Arsenal oh, got in their group? Come on. Who is it? Uh, who who they got in their group? We're not in it anymore. Okay, let's move oh, yeah. on. Who, who did you get knocked out by? Moving on. Ah! <laughs> was, it, was it Paris Saint Germain? Oh wait, no, it wasn't Paris Saint Germain. It was Par- Paris FC. So not even the best team in Paris or France. Yeah. It's not my fault we don't have Emma Hayes as a manager. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean you have that smug, smug little prick. I, I, I'm I'm not even keeping this PG. That smug little prick at Arsenal. Um, I'm glad I'm glad Arsenal women are just not playing Champions League football and back to where they are mediocre. Um, hopefully Arsenal men fall into that same category once again once Declan Rice um, stops putting in good performances um, but there good you go uh, oh yeah well, we can't I can't I can't deny that he's, he's a good player but going back to the transition that Molina was very good at putting in goalkeepers um, arguably both goalkeepers Raya and Sanchez having absolute nightmares um, in the game um, Molina I'll come to you first because I just want to I, I want to asked us about Raya because when you signed him I was kind of like why like you you, for me Ramsdale is a quite good goalkeeper for the standard of goalkeepers that are is in the football world right now um and I didn't see any outstanding weaknesses from him to go and buy another goalkeeper that's on loan to viewer permanent um if, if I'm right um and then just to disrupt it all. Um, Melina, just from an Arsenal fan's point of view, can you can you give me any explanation of why this was done? I don't I don't have an explanation to this. And also it's a loan deal. Hopefully we there's no obligation to buy him. But I think goalkeepers are a position that as you see, it takes time for them to develop and uh, get into their into their um, best or, or or in their prime. And Raya at Brentford, I, I I, I really feel it's not the same as as keeping for Arsenal. Ramsdale was doing good. I know keepers make mistakes here and there, and Ramsdale did cost us some games uh, last season. But with that being said, defensively, we also made mistakes, so it didn't help Ramsdale's um, situation any better. Uh, with that being said, I, I also feel like we spent money on the keepers in a way to just appease the fans. Um, a lot of people slander and still continue to slander Ramsdale after seeing the um, inconsistencies, lack of confidence, um, lack of awareness, direction, 
like the list goes on and it's not just yesterday's performance with Chelsea um the first four minutes against Man City at home in our own backyard we nearly conceded like so early on in the game because of Raya making a mistake I shouldn't have to feel like I'm gonna have a heart attack when my team's playing football in the first 10 minutes of a game because of a goalkeeper and we've made this mistake before where we we've had two quality goalkeepers in uh, Emiliano Martinez and Bern Leno. And Arteta ended up letting um, Martinez go. Uh, the, well, the manager at the time ended up letting Martinez go, right? So if we go through this situation again and we end up losing Ramsdale, I guarantee you he's going to excel and continue to excel progressively wherever he ends up, if that's the case of what, what's going to happen. I don't understand why we spent the money on Raya. I guess people said having rotation in keepers is is necessary because we have Champions League football this season but when we're when we're in Champions League even then like we're struggling to see the the strengths of Raya what he has to offer people always said oh Raya has more composure than Ramsdale he's he's more um direct than Ramsdale his footwork's better than Ramsdale and I'm I'm struggling to see that I don't know, like oftentimes as as Ryan would say, these Twitter tacticos, they they just see <laughs> they just see YouTube compilations and get gassed up. And then when it comes to the eye test on the pitch, that's not what we're seeing on the pitch. Oh, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Am I I must have heard something wrong. You're playing a keeper that you have on loan over a keeper you have on contract? Yeah. No, no, you heard it right. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you bought the man, and I was okay. No, it's a loan deal. That means that means Ramsdale is out. You do know that. I don't. I don't think so. I hope no. It does. It actually because you you don't. You you don't bring in a loan. First choice. You can't put a loan player as first choice. Yeah, that is so. That is, that, that is so but offensive. Ramsdale's supposed to be first choice in the Champions League, and going back to this offensive thing. I agree. And Ramsdale's, I don't understand what Ramsdale has done wrong to be holding bench. Yes, for this Chelsea game, he was unavailable due to a family uh, family situation. That's a different story. Even before the Chelsea game, we were seeing Raya against Man City give us a heart attack. <laughs> uh, this Paul, shouldn't be the, the case at all. Paul, am I wrong in saying that goalkeepers are not real people? Because... The uh, these guys, and, and you see this at every level. You see this at every level. Um, these guys think that they are footballers. They think that they're field players. They think that they're playing, you know, center back. And in reality, no, no, you're just a converted basketball player. And these guys with their feet, Paul. They, they, unless it's like Ederson, who's who's got good skill. Most of these guys, I mean, they're barely high school level players with their feet. And you look at the, the game yesterday. Robert Sanchez is an excellent distributor. When it comes to like his passing percentage, he's one of, if not the best in the Premier League at completing like long balls. So he's, he's very good at it. But that... You have to have context with that because very good within the context of players around him playing the same position. Okay, yeah, he is good at that in comparison to other goalies. But he he is not a footballer. 
like Tiago Silva is a footballer. And I think the fact that there's that they build up this hubris in their mind, they think that they belong. Because, you know, the, the center back passes the ball to them a lot. And they think that they're footballers. But, Paul, they're not. They never have been. If they were actual footballers, they would be playing football and not goalie. <laughs> well, I know it's a sensitive subject for, for keepers who do con, uh, consider themselves footballers. But I agree with you. It's it's kind of a trade within the game, right? Like, it's not – it's totally different. And I – you know, you can have a keeper who is just a shot stopper. He's not he's not as good with his feet, doesn't have to be, and that's fine. I mean, there's been plenty of those throughout throughout history. Petr Cech, great keeper, not excellent with his feet, but proficient. Um, Arteta seems to want, you know, kind of, I guess, what Ederson is, and on top of that, he's kind of inherited Pep's tinkering ways. And I don't know, it's it's taken Pep quite a long time to get it figured out. And I put a lot, well, I put pretty much all of the blame uh, for Arsenal yesterday on uh, Arteta. I don't know if Molina would agree with that or not, but he couldn't figure out the tactics in game. Um, and I just thought there was very little adjustments made uh, to, you know, try to make Pochettino also change his tactics. We never had to. Yeah, I got something to say on, on the keeper situation. because Of course I, you do. Of course you do. Because I, I actually <laughs> was trained to be a keeper. Uh, and I've seen a lot of shit come out on Twitter. Of course, that's where everybody puts their shit on Twitter. Um, pardon the French. I should say merde. Uh, but when you anybody that plays enough passes is going to misplace a pass. Oh, yeah. It happens to everybody on the pitch every game. Gallagher about 10 times a game. Right. <laughs> it happens to everybody. What happens to a goalkeeper and, he, and he's making that pass while not in the goal... You get what happened. But there is, I'm, I'm going to say this really, really, really brilliant line that everybody needs to take, take, take a hold of and, and just let it percolate in, in your mind. There is not an available keeper that's incrementally better than Robert Sanchez. Period. End of story. The best keepers in the world are not available and you can't afford them anyway. Because if you want to go get Jan Oblak, um, he's probably going to be 120, 130 million, just because that's how athletic he goes. Yeah, Ter Stegen, yeah, go get him. What about Manuel Neuer? Nope, he's not even available. He's not even ready to play. Can't go get Ederson or Allison. And by the way, who I, both I've seen make passes that have cost their team's points, and they're considered the best in the world, and they've done the exact same thing. So, Robert Sanchez. Has played nine games, given up nine goals, has three complete, uh, three clean sheets. The alternative that everybody want, wanted, Mike Magnon, has played six games because he's been injured already this se season, and he's on a red card. Now, he didn't even play the, this game because he played against Juventus because he's on a red card. 
He's played six games, given up seven goals, and has three clean sheets. How is that dude playing in an easier league better than what we have right now? He's not. Oh, he's not. And, Jared, I, I think Paul and I were on the phone yesterday, and, I mean, there are a couple stops that Sanchez made. Uh, and this is not just – this is not exclusive to yesterday. This is throughout the last month. That Keppa – no, those would have been goals. Yeah. Those would have been goals with Kepa. Even but, with Mendy as well. But Sanchez is, is such a good shot stopper, and he's so tall that – no, I'm very pleased with this player. I, look, he made a mistake. Okay, I understand. I understand. I guess that, that makes me a lesser fan because I understand that mistakes happen from a player when they're not really footballers. They're not really human beings. They're lesser. And <laughs> – and, uh, yeah, I get it, dude. I get it. It happens, but it doesn't mean that I don't want him to stop passing the ball out of the back. I want him to continue to distribute. I want him to be an extra man, an outlet, which is what keepers are. They're outlets if the players that are around you are not available because he resets, players get open again, and then we go, right? And I don't want him to be discouraged from that just because he made a horrendous decision. Okay, he knows. Everybody knows. Nobody's going to give him shit about it on Monday. It just ha- it is what it is. Okay? Right. Maybe Jackson should have should have scored that goal. Maybe Palmer when he stripped Raya should have scored that goal. Okay? I mean like okay. There there are a lot of factors as to why we tied. But Robert Sanchez sure he's one of them, but he's not the only reason and we're not going to fire him because of it. It's not happening. Right. All right? These, these 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 fucking 21-year-old Chelsea fans who act like they're five every time they don't get their milk and cookies. It's like, dude, get over it. Sanchez is in our plans long-term. And just because you're bitching about it doesn't mean Chelsea is listening to you. Right. And, and of course, I, I've always heard this when I was growing up, and maybe it's not true anymore, but you win as a team and you lose as a team. Absolutely. So, so guess what? When that happened... Did our did our players pick him up? No, they let him. They we conceded the second, and that is the difference between winning the league and not winning the league. Is when you make mistakes, your other teammates have to come back and pick you up, and when you start doing that as a team, you're going some places. If you let you know if if one of your players let you down, and then you just your heads go, and the next player lets the team down. Well, guess what? That's why you're outside the top four. End of story. It's that easy. There's not that big difference between good teams and bad teams. Yeah, I know. I mean, for me to interject and just add an extra point to this, extra layer to this um, debate, the standard of goalkeeping in the modern age is absolutely on the floor. Like back in the day, you had, you have players like Petacek, you have players like Edwin van der Sar, Peter Schmeichel. Um, David Seaman, there's so many goalkeepers that were good goalkeepers and even Carlito who completely just deprecates goalkeepers, I mean goalkeeper lives matter uh, at this point. No they don't No they don't But but even even Carlito could admit them goalkeepers were great goalkeepers obviously in their own right, of their own position they were great goalkeepers. Nowadays I can't pick more than four five and that's at a stretch good goalkeepers in the world right now. Everyone else is average at best. Robert Sanchez has his good points, has his flaws. 
Raya has his good points, has his flaws. Ramsdale has a good point, his flaws. At the moment, you've got, as Jared Jester said, Bob Black, who is just sitting in an easy league and doesn't want to challenge himself. Um, you've got Courtois, who's currently got an ACL, so if he do, does he ever come back the same? Stegen, who even then still makes mistakes. Anoya, that's 36. And I'd say an Allison because I don't really rate Edison that much. Donnarumma. Very much overrated. Allison's a little bit better, but even then, makes mistakes. These players like Czech, Edwin van der Sar, um, Peter Smichael, and that, they absolutely shit all over these players. They would dominate the, the best goalkeeper in the world at the moment because these goalkeepers aren't that good anymore. I do think it's the fact that we're asking goalkeepers to play with their feet, which is fine. I get that the game has to try and move forward. and But you're taking away probably quite good goalkeepers who just can't play with their feet. And it's lowered the standard of goalkeepers. So I don't, I don't really look at... I look at Sanchez and go, stupid mistake. Um, but unfortunately, these things happen. Goalkeepers will make mistakes. And that's the unfortunate part of being a goalkeeper. You make one mistake and everyone will criticise you to the end. Yet a striker can miss two or three chances. As long as he scores one, you will forget about them mistakes. Um, a midfielder can, like Gallagher can misplace a pass five, six, seven times. But we'll still get people praising him and keeping him in the team. Now, Sanchez makes one mistake, which, yeah, it's a bad one. But even then, we still had to concede another goal to actually mess up the game. So even then... It, the game could have, we still could have won the game even with Sanchez's mistake. Um, and then people are saying, oh, let's drop him for Petrovic, who hasn't played a single game minute for us. Um, for me, I just think that's crazy. I think Robert Sanchez has overall in games started a little bit slow, but obviously didn't have a lot of game time uh, in the last eight, nine months. Has got into it, has played very well and made some very good saves in games where Chelsea were on the back foot and maybe not playing as well, has won us as much points as he's lost. He makes one mistake, which is it, I think, maybe with Sanchez, I think it's a lack of concentration. But again, we've not been, we've been out, suddenly out for eight, nine, ten months, then suddenly coming in and playing game in, game out. It doesn't surprise me that there is just these moments of lapse of concentration, and that might come with just more and more game time. Um, so I, I, I think it, I'm going to put it on the board that I think goalkeepers are not at the level they used to be. And I think Robert Sanchez should continue to be number one. Um, I don't know what everyone else thinks, but and Melina as an it's Arsenal a, fan and the neutral can chip into this as well if she wants. It's a, it's a fair point that Matt brings up. I actually think it's up for debate if that's even on Sanchez. Enzo had a chance to get that pass. It wasn't oh, yeah. clear to him that it was to him. Obviously, that's why he let it go. But when you're in the middle of the pitch, right at the top of the box, you can't let a ball pass like that. you got to take responsibility. So I actually think it is up for debate if it's even on Sanchez. That's why Sanchez was so upset when Enzo didn't, you know, step to the ball. That being said, the pass, yeah, it could have been better. Enzo, he could have stepped. But that's just a situation where these guys are going to build some rapport. The more, you know, they play together, the more this team is on the pitch together. Um, these are the types of things that make or break top four. Oh, my top God. Five. 
Paul, but, I just you know, watched this. It's coming. It's uh, Paul, coming. I just watched this again. Enzo let the ball run. Oh, man. I think we're reading this wrong. And he I love stopped Enzo. his run. He was running across he the He let the ball stopped. run. I think we're reading this incorrectly. Well, uh, I think uh, Sanchez is going to end up with a stick still because nobody's going to get no the one, Enzo. No one will criticize Enzo. No, <laughs> no, it's convenient. It's convenient to a lot of the, uh, you know, the conversation that Sanchez has been uh, having it, recently, but we'll see. If you want to watch a clip, why don't you watch the clip I just put in the in in the in the chat on Twitter? If you want, if you want to see Chelsea's future, Kendrick Paez. Oh my God, yeah, he's so dope. Oh my gosh, did you uh, see where he shot that ball from? Woof. He's so saucy. Oh my God! What a delicious yep. player. And that's why Nani Madueke is not long for Chelsea squad. <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. Melina doesn't know what's coming. We've got 15-year-olds that are just going to come from the darkness into the light and they're just going to score and score and score against Arsenal and, and degrade Arsenal back to where they belong, and that's outside of Champions League football. They're, they're, I love Arsenal when they're, like, seventh place, you know? They're so far <laughs> out of contention. But not far enough where Arteta can be fired. It's that nice little zone, the seventh place zone. Maybe you're going to play some Thursday football games, but it, it, everything in its right place, the way Radiohead used to say it. Oh, yeah. Right? That's that seventh place zone. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I do think we got to have a con- one conversation. It's a very tough conversation. I know none of us are going to enjoy Connor Gallagher. Hmm. I I'm starting to see it. There's a player in there. He's starting to put in the performances that we need, like that guy in the middle that's a destroyer. And I don't know. He's starting to figure it out, I think. And I really don't think we're selling him. I don't. I, I think that's off the table. Yeah, I mean, I think we've we've kind of covered this a little bit in the last in, in the last pod. Um, I think we all kind of agree. Maybe we're a bit, a little bit harsh on Gallagher, but we, I do think he has been more nullified than uh, has got necessarily better. But no, 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 no. I, 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 I think, to the I think, last I think pod. you guys, you guys were still trying to sell him in January or whenever. Uh, 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 oh, I'm uh, still uh, trying uh, to sell I, him. You probably yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't think he'll go in January. I, I, I think he'll stay. But I think I don't see him as a first teamer once everyone's fit even with these performances. But I think if he want, if he's happy to have a squad role in the team and come in for certain games, I don't see a problem with that. I think you... It, we, I, I'd like to see how Lavia gets on because I think Lavia... Obviously, he's still, he's still very young and needs to grow into it. But I think Lavia could easily be that destroyer if we, want, if, if we play him in that role and want to play him in that role. I think not a lot of people are talking about what what role Lavia is actually going to play. Um, and I think that's the that's the one person I'm really interested, in, other than Nkuku, to come back and just see where Poch, where where and how Poch wants him because he where he is so young, he's so he, he, you can mould him into any position you really want to play him, and I think he'll be able to grow into that position. 
Um, uh, there's there's a lot of reports coming out that people are real high on Romeo Lavia, really really high on him. And there's a, I mean there's a reason why we bought him. I think that when he is back and he is ready to go, this is probably around March, February or March when he's really integrated into the squad. I see a situation where the midfield is him, Moises, and Enzo, where it's those three guys as the midfield, and that's, you know, most expensive midfield in the history of midfield, of $320 million worth of midfield, uh, worth every penny, by the way, Casado rules. Um, yeah, I think that that is where, when he's back, he's feeling comfortable, he's feeling healthy. I think that that is the end game for his triangle midfield, you know, whether whether it's one or the other is more advanced, probably Enzo doesn't matter because they all move around. But I think that is the end game with guys like Palmer and Kunku, Misha Mudrik, Raz. You know that that's what I eventually think our front six is going to look like. Any combination of that because they're all good. But you know, with Kunku probably being the striker for now, um, you know that. It, it's very exciting times for Chelsea because we did have to weather the storm. I mean, look, Mankuku's probably going to be our second best player outside of Reese. Like, and Reese hasn't played and Nkunku hasn't played. So th- it's not excuse making to simply say, Oh, our full team is not available. All these guys that we spent serious money on, they're not available. Lavia is not available yet. Christopher Nkunku is not available yet. And yet I still think that we weathered the storm enough where we can make a surge between now and the end of the year, the end of the year being December 31st. I think that by December 31, you know, after Boxing Day and all that rigmarole, I think that we'll be in a much better position and the, the future will be more clearly defined as to where we are at in conjunction with the other top teams. The Newcastles, the Cities, the Tottenham's, the you know Liverpool's, and I don't think I'm missing anybody. Yeah, that's that. Those five teams. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I think that that is where we will have a clear depiction of where we're at, and I think it'll be pleasantly surprising to fans. I think I need to clarify on Connor Gallagher. I don't think Connor Gallagher's a bad player. I just don't think he's good enough to play for Chelsea. He's got yeah. too many limitations when we have players like a Romeo Lavia to come in. We have Andre Santos to come back. We have um, shit. Yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> We have a, a, a Cassidy to come back. You know, these these players, for me, they look more, more like a complete player than Gallagher is. And Gallagher has his strong points. The dude will run himself into the ground. It's like, he cares. He cares. Yeah, he's, he's like a, a, a Belgian Malinois. You know, great police what? dog. You just let him go, man. But, you know, at some point, he might bite your own player, too. Right? He might bite himself. <laughs> So, you know, I, again, that's my position on, on Gallagher. If you have better talent coming in, you cannot let that talent, since they're, they're all around the same age, you know. Andre Santos is 20. Uh, Cassidy's 20 now. So they're all around the same age. You want to put these players in positions to where they're going to build on that talent. For me, they have a little bit more to give to this team than, than Gallagher. And so in that case, he needs to go bye-bye. I just don't think it's going to happen. Paul, I've already seen, um, yeah. you know, talks of him getting a contract extension. And, you know, again, good on him for taking advantage of a situation because oftentimes a player breaks into a team because the player he's competing against, in this case, it was 
Carney Chukwemeka and Christopher Nkunku, uh, a player will break into the team and be opportunistic if the other players are injured. Okay, that's how you break into a team. Sometimes it's just happenstance. You know, and Connor Gallagher, good on him for being opportunistic and, and taking advantage of the situation because there's not a lot of people competing against him right now in that spot because they're all injured. Classic Chelsea. But I think when everybody is back, Pochettino is going to find himself in a conundrum, you know, picking him over Nkunku, which is just not going to happen. You know, that, that would be like a decision that gets him fired. So it's just not going to happen, Paul. I don't. I, I think that Connor, who, who has played well and has made me look a little foolish, but at the end of the day, I, I still know who Connor Gallagher is as a player. No, I agree. I actually agree with both you and Jared. These guys coming up are are going to be far more complete players and far more our type of players. However, in the two years it's going to take them to get there. I see Connor being a big part of this team. I just that's what I'm seeing. And it's not it's not like he's my type of player. Carlito and I have talked a long time about Connor and the possibility of him, you know, integrating into this Chelsea team and him just not being clean enough. He's just not a neat enough player. However, he's starting to put it together and bring a little something to the table that we don't have without him. And that's why I'm, I'm starting to, I don't want to say I'm going to be a Connor protector or advocate, but I'm going to say you heard it here first. <laughs> he's getting out ahead of it. Exactly. Oh. Yes, Matt. Chelsea and Arsenal. Yeah, yes. I was just checking because you, you said that. Jesus! Like, I don't I give a fuck who Wolves add. You could have just. I don't care who Newcastle adds in January. Give me a fraud ball. Fraud ball. This Jabroni. Unbelievable. Oh. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really concerned what Aston Villa is going to do in January, Matt. No, I, I, I Fucking guy. I thought you meant like big six, like. Ah. No, I wouldn't cast Tottenham in the top six, but yes. Newcastle, etc. I mean, Newcastle will have to get a new DM because, you know, their ones are too busy betting on uh, many other things. <laughs> um, and then coming out and saying, it's, I'm an it's addict. It's a conspiracy. I'm, oh, I'm an addict. Ugh. See, I, I can see Conor Gallagher going to Newcastle. Yeah. Um, if, 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 they want to pay a, if they want to pay a good 60 M's for him, we'll take it. Fine. Because uh, I, I, I'd like that Saudi dollar. Molina, yes, the only teams that played each other yesterday at the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Fraud. Anyway, so the question is to the group, uh, and I'll start with Carlito since it is his question. Um, what player uh, is needed to be added to each team uh, in January? Go. None. I don't think we need to add anybody. I think that we're going to add Victor Oshman, which is great. Okay, striker. But I also think that we have plenty of strikers. Roy has a striker. He's not a starter. Jackson's a striker. Sometimes he's a starter. And Kunku's a striker. He's great. Cole (laughs) Cole Palmer is now all of a sudden a striker. He's awesome. So I don't think we need to add anybody, but I know that we're going to add Victor Oshman. And I'm down with it. He's a he's a great player. 
24 years old, scores 25 goals a season in league, and uh, he, he'll link up very well with us. I, my, you know, and Paul's going to disagree with me on this, but I'm actually glad that we didn't buy Vlahovic because when you watch Vlahovic play, there is not a lot of difference between him and Lukaku. He is, I mean, he dribbles a little bit better than Lukaku, but he's still a big, lumbering, left-footed, slow striker. And I just I just want a more dynamic player up top. You know, and Cuckoo, very dynamic. Nicholas Jackson, very dynamic. Palmer, same thing. Osherman, same thing. He moves well. He, 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 his athleticism is on par with the people around him. So that's why I would be fine with them with us buying Oshman and I believe that we will although I actually like the amount of talent that we have right now and that's not me being complacent it's just I like the, the players that we do have yeah I mean and just to flip it for looking at the Arsenal team who do you think they need to go for if anyone uh Victor Oshman actually yeah I, I think well, that they that, should that, that, they'll be going after Ivan Betting Tony yeah, I mean, I, I think that Arsenal would like a striker as well. Jesus, I like Jesus as a player, but he's not hes not really a striker now, is he? I, I think he's a good player. Uh, for me, I, I think he's, and he was kind of like that, man. He's a good player to come off the bench, and maybe especially if you need a goal, to bring him on as almost winger slash come in and play him with the striker. Um, I just don't I just don't think he scores enough of his chances. Um a lot of people wanted Jesus at Chelsea, uh, including myself. But I think that would have been that would have been a disaster because our fans would have destroyed him um, in terms of missing chances um, and the chances he does miss. Um, but yeah, probably probably right. Um, Melina, I'll come I'm come to you. Um, first of all, who do Arsenal need to add uh, one player in January? If it's one position we need to address in January, it's definitely the striker position. I just feel like uh, the strikers that we have uh, for Jesus in particular and Eddie Nketiah, Eddie Nketiah has improved a lot, but he's not the man to take us forward. And the same with Jesus. Um, whether Jesus is better on the wing or better up front, it doesn't matter. Uh, with the situation with Havertz up front, we're not seeing the clinical goal scorer, the fox in the box that we need. And uh, I don't think we would ever spend the money on Victor Osman. And it's clear that he will go to Chelsea, I feel. Yeah. Um, and I think then I don't see us doing business with Brighton again. They're a pain in the ass to do business with. I'm sure you guys know that firsthand. Um, which which rules uh, even Ferguson out of the equation. So what's left is Ivan Tony. Um, and to be honest with the Ivan Tony signing, like I see the improvements that he has uh, compared to Eddie Nketiah. But I still feel like at Brentford, because of Mbwemo and the one season wonder he had before he had that season, no one really knew who he was. So I'm kind of reluctant on buying him, whether it would be much of a massive upgrade, but in January is the season, the time where you want to strengthen and address the key issues you want for the rest of the season. You want to remove for the rest of the season and maybe Havertz up front. Like um, I know this isn't really part of the topic, but Havertz up front every time he's played has been much better than when we saw him at left center mid. So possibly before January comes, I want to see him in games where he can play the nine position and see if he can offer more. But at the moment, my answer would be Ivan Tony. 
I would love Kai Havertz to play um, up front for Arsenal because that means Arsenal are going down to seventh, just like Carlito said. Um, the seventh zone. The mediocrity standards falling down for Arsenal once again. But Molina, flipping it for Chelsea, looking at the Chelsea side and everyone, every opposition fan seems to be studying this Chelsea side, even though it's, you know, a mid-table team. Um, <laughs> who would you add to this billion pounds Chelsea side? To Chelsea? I said um, Victor Osman. It's clear that after yesterday's game, I said um, the only player you're missing is a clinical striker up front to finish the chances. As good as Nicholas Jackson was in the 1v1 chance, um, you can tell like he's still young. He's still um, learning and, and trying to develop. But when you have someone like Victor Osman, he would pocket those chances and bury those chances away. Chelsea have been very unlucky in some games not to, um, not to come out on top. And as I said earlier in this podcast, the results on paper don't add up to Chelsea's performances on the pitch. You actually play much better than what the results on paper say and much better than us, um, I, I, I would argue. I feel like we've regressed. Let me ask you this question. I mean, Ivan Tony, he, he, he's no better than Lacazette. I mean, I, I don't know why people think that he's some world-class player. He, I mean, he's. I mean, is he even as good as Alexander Lacazette? Like, I, I don't think so. I think he's he's good. I mean, but that's is is he the is he the striker to, you know, help us get back in the Champions League for next season? I don't I don't think so. I don't think he's better than Jackson. Uh, I don't think he's certainly don't think he's better than Nkunku. Well, that's, so that's the thing. Like Ryan, I was saying. Ivan Tony and Embuemo, they had one good season at Brentford, and all of a sudden everyone's raving and uh, raving about both of them. And he's the next best thing since sliced bread. Everyone, everyone and their grandma wants wants Ivan Tony in their team. Well, I'll tell you what, he's no Lord Bettner. I'll tell you what, man. Yeah. Oh, oh, what a, what a, <laughs> oh I loved Bettner. What a weirdo. <laughs> he was a complete freaking weirdo, but what a player. What He's a like, no, one of the one of the reporters asked him who's the best player of the world. He goes, I am. <laughs> what a legend. What a legend. Uh, uh, sometimes sometimes I wish some of our players had that arrogance. Uh, uh, oh, I think Enzo does. I think Enzo oh, has that arrogance. Enzo knows he's the best player on the pitch. Oh, he's there so are good. some players in like Fucking hell, get some fucking arrogance in you and some fucking confidence in yourself. Yeah. Reese uh, James for sure. <laughs> it is what it is. Paul, I'm gonna come to you next and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little bit of curveball because it seems like everyone wants to say Osherman uh, as the one player going to Chelsea. I want you to list one player that Chelsea should sign that's not Osherman. Hmm, interesting one. I've got one for you after Paul's done. I got one. Uh, who you got, Carlito? Bring our guy home, Musiala. Jamal Musiala. Jamal Musiala's a baller. Yeah, but that's like that's gonna be Palmer. That's gonna be yeah. And Cuckoo. I I mean, we have players at every position. It's not. It's just for us. It's a matter of getting healthy. Yeah. And I almost think for Arsenal too, like. I don't know why Partey never came into the game yesterday. He should have been, in my opinion, in that midfield to stir things up. Uh, 
So I, I think for both teams, there's plenty of talent and it's really just a matter of cohesion and finding the best 11 and, you know, putting some performances together. But obviously for us, if you add a prolific striker to the equation, it changes everything. Like all of a sudden we don't lose that match yesterday because, you know, we probably win three, two. Uh, for Arsenal, Gabby Jesus, the way he started for Arsenal when he first transferred from Man City, completely different player to what he is now. He's just not back to himself yet. But there's no reason he can't get there, in my opinion. Uh, there's still a player in there. I, I still I still rate him for sure. How about you, Jared? Well, I guess you said you, you saved the best for last, right? So is that what this is? Yeah, that's what I'm going to go with at least. Okay. <laughs> Look, there is only one position of need come January for Chelsea Football Club, and that is the strike position. There's there's really nothing else we need. Uh, so you, you have to go for the who you believe is the top striker and the club believes that Oshman is a better striker than, than Ivan Tony. I almost said James Tony because that dude could fight. Um, so uh, we're going to go for Victor Oshman. And uh, I think that, that actually Armando Braja will end up going the other way. And uh, it'll help with the prize. Um, because Napoli have come out and said if, if there is a somebody we're interested in, there could be a deal in the works. And they are interested from last year in Armando Brogia. So yeah. uh, besides that, I don't see any position of need. Now for Arsenal, they need two positions. Actually, I, I, I shouldn't say that. They actually need four positions. Ooh. They need a DM because Rice is not a DM. And I've heard r rumors that Partey might be going to Juventus in January. So unless you're going to play Jorginho in that role, you need a DM who can actually run because Jorginho can't. Uh, I still think you need a left back and a right back because you're playing basically center backs, undersized center backs that have some speed at those positions. And, uh, I, and then again, you do need a striker because I don't rate Gabriel Jesus. He's fine as a substitute to bring him on to get some, you know, to bring some punch off the bench. But he's never been a prolific goal scorer for Man City. And if you can't be prolific at Man City, how are you going to be prolific at Arsenal? So for me, they need a, a few positions to really, uh, and that, and you could, you might say, well, the the fullbacks are that's preference. But you play a fullback at a fullback position, and things work out better. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just Ben Ben White just taking, just catching strays here. Well, Jeez. I mean, dude. Oh, uh, damn it. Um, uh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be fair, Thomas Partey and Juventus, that's like a match made in heaven. Um, Juventus are such a crook team. Um, and obviously, I'm not going to get into the fine nature of it, but. Yeah, all I'm going to say that would be a match made in heaven. And I would agree in terms of my picks, I think Oshiman is obviously needed. Um, and I think just a question to everyone else. 
Brocia's knee injury or knee hurting, is that the same knee that he done in terms of the no. ACL? No. Uh, other one. Because I, I, it would concern me if he's getting some aches and pain in that ACL one because if, if that does reoccur, that would scupper any Napoli deal coming in. Um, so thankfully it is the other one. But yeah, I think I, I like Brocia, but if that means Oshiman comes in for a, a bit more of a cut price, happy days. Oshiman and Jackson, that is two players that have been compared to Didier Drogba uh, in the same team. I think if that, if they if any of them come like Didier Drogba, I think Molina will be crying um, um, for every Chelsea-Arsenal game. Um, and I think with Arsenal, I do think the defensive midfielder is the most important one because, as you said, Declan Rice does not want to play defensive midfield. He said it multiple times. I think he probably is a better box-to-box midfielder. And the only reason he doesn't play that for England is because you've got Jude Bellingham. Um, so I think Arsenal do need to find someone because Jorginho, as I've always said at Chelsea Football Club, is just not it. And the fact that Arsenal keep buying Chelsea players and Chelsea players keep making Arsenal worse is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> as I always say, Arsenal players and even Arsenal-linked players like Mudrick, they come to Chelsea to win. They come to Chelsea to win trophies. Arsenal, a Chelsea players go to Arsenal to retire, and that includes Kai Havertz at 23. Oh, he is going there to retire. His footballing career, his footballing career is done. It will be done. Let's be very clear. Jorginho won European Player of the Year. Just, just gonna make sure that everybody remembers that. Yeah. European yes. Player of the Year. Oh, well done. He won European Player of the Year because he played next to N'Golo Kante in a Champions League final, and everyone else in his in the Italy team won the European Championship. Well done. Yeah, and yeah, even the rookie exactly right Paul, it. Paul's Italian. He's gonna conf- he's he's gonna push back on that one. Yeah, yeah. He has nothing to do with you know playing in the most important position on the pitch. Nothing to do with those performances. Yeah, I mean without 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 Rodri, Man City is 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 in shambles. So yeah, it's, it's only the most important position oh. on the field. There's, yeah, a, there's a reason Chelsea have been screaming for a defensive midfielder for absolutely ages. So we went and bought two of them. Yeah. yeah. We actually bought three of them, but four of them, actually. <laughs> so what? We bought, yeah, oh, Leslie! Yeah. Oh, Leslie! <laughs> it, 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 it was, it was, I think it was kind of, they were looking at the list and thinking, well, who do we get? Do we get, do we get this All player? of them! Enzo? Do we get Lavia? Do we get, do we get Kaiser? I know, let's just sign off each one and just hope one of them works. Or Unbelievable. We were just... We'll just buy the whole market so Arsenal can't get any defensive midfielders. Poor Liverpool. They still haven't gotten their guy. We get Enzo, Caicedo, Lavia, Ugo Chipwu, and Arsenal get left with Jorginho, and Liverpool get left with Oh, Endo. and Santos. Endo. And Andre Santos. They, they went, they went, they, we went shopping at Waitrose for Enzo Fernandez, and Liverpool went to fucking Audi to get Endo. <laughs> <laughs> Pound I shop. Get, they went I to the pound shop and found this random guy. I don't even know. I don't even know who he was. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> I still cannot believe that week that we had with Liverpool, where Klopp, who never does this, never, no coach does this, he put his name on. Oh yeah, we bought Caicedo, and then, <laughs> and then the next day he signs for Chelsea, and then it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna buy Lavia. And then the next day he signs for Chelsea. What a 
what a disaster. And I, they, they will rue that day for a long time because either one of those players would have made them way better because those are really good players. Caicedo's awesome. Lave is awesome. And I just I, I cannot believe that Liverpool bottled that so profoundly. And on top of it, Alexis McAllister has to play in the sixth. Yeah. Which that's not his best position either. Yeah. But yeah, no. so safe to say Carlito enjoyed those two, what was it, two weeks, week? Uh, There's a particular day. reason that we don't need to get into, but let's just say a former friend of mine is a big Liverpool fan. And uh, we'll leave it at that. Well, they did get Graven Birch, and he's actually a six. People are telling me, no, he's an eight. No, dude's a six. Played six at Ajax. Was brought in to play six at uh, Bayern Munich. All right. Final thoughts, Still. everybody. Still, Graven Birch is just a step below. Oh, and sure. I say, though, even Lavia. I mean, Graven Birch, he did all right at Bayern Munich, but nothing special. And I think the players we've got, why the choice? No, nope, I'm all right. I, I'm all right with the players I've got. They can have Graven Birch. Arsenal can have Jorginho. Or I don't know who else they've got. Sambi Lukonga. Uh, anyone else they have in their academy? Because Arsenal won't buy another defensive midfielder. They splashed their cash on a lone goalkeeper. To, uh, yeah, I mean, they might buy Calvin Phillips. Never know. Oh, I'd love it if they get Calvin Phillips. Because Calvin Phillips <laughs> is the most overrated defensive <laughs> I'd rather have Hobbs than Calvin. <laughs> Jesus, there it is. Get your- there it is. Anyway, Arsenal can go. Arsenal can go real Brexit and get fucking Calvin Phillips, Conor Gallagher, and fucking Declan Rice. Brexit <laughs> FC. Final thoughts, Molina. What do you got? Um, I guess Sevilla away is next. Obviously, not going to be an easy game. They destroyed Real Madrid, and Arsenal tend to underestimate teams home and away. Um, they ended up getting a point from the a draw from the Madrid game. Um, other than that, I don't think we're um, gonna go on a good run. I mean, we have some good fixtures. Everyone's saying, "Oh, Arsenal will be back on on this amazing run," but uh, I think a lot of fans are overestimating us and kind of riding on last year's luck. And I think a lot of our games have been luck, which we're clearly running out of. But um, I guess I'm looking forward to the rest of the season, um, or more so the January transfer window, to see the outgoings. And um, Smith Rowe, I think that's one of my favorite players. And it's a shame the way Arteta's using him only for um, when he needs saving in games. And I hope he gets a better club to go to and develop his career elsewhere. Because Arsenal mistreated him. Melina, look at how they massacred my boy. They massacred yeah. my boy. Yeah, they crucified him. Um, with that being said, my final thoughts as well. Those of you who are not yet following the podcast, um, do subscribe or follow to the podcast. I don't know which one it's called. I think it's subscribe mm-hmm. to the podcast. Um, and check out um, the King of Chelsea Media on Twitter. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, it's been two seasons since an Arsenal fan has been asked to come on this podcast. So I appreciate you, you all inviting me on on today's episode. Well, yeah, we we, we didn't want we did want to add you on when you were winning. 
It's just too much because you're, yeah. you're, you're just too you mean enough when you lose it, let alone when you win. <laughs> Me and Lena. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, Melina doing my job, basically plugging the podcast. Uh, so thank you, Melina, for doing that for me. Um, and guys, um, starting with you, Carlito, any final thoughts? Yeah, I think that Arsenal should go out and buy the hottest striker in the Premier League, Mr. Ollie Watkins. Oh, That's who they should buy. That's That's who they should buy. It is not an episode without me mentioning Ollie Watkins. We started his purple patch, indeed. Um, But soon, soon he'll go another four, five, six, seven games without scoring, and then we can start mentioning how rubbish he is. He's on fire. And every time he scores, I'm going to give you the little googly eyes. Ollie Watkins, buy him. He will make your team better. He's a goal-scoring machine. Great hair. Uh, my final thoughts. I with a great hair. Great hair. My final thoughts. Uh, and I'll. This is how I started the pod. It's how I'll end the pod. Mark Kukurea. Got to keep him. Don't sell Mark Kukurea. Would be a mistake because I think that he's finding his form again. And if we sold him to Man United, it would make Man United better. And I don't want that. I want them to stay wildly mediocre, which is what they've been since 2012. Uh, outside of the one good Jose year. So, don't sell Marco Correa. That's my final thought. Justice, any final thoughts? Yeah. I got a couple of them. Uh, I think that uh, we're not too far away playing the Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, entrance song. You know, glass breaking, because Chelsea about to go off. Y'all just sit and wait and look and... You know, maybe bury yourself in the, bury your head in the sand because you're not about to see what's about to happen to y'all. Because Chelsea, we're coming, and uh, you know if you're in our way, you might get a little something on you. Definitely, definitely. And the last, and I'm going to say the best, of last, Paul. Um, any last final thoughts? Molina, well done. Respect for coming on into enemy enemy territory. Uh, Thanks. It was a fun one, fellas. And let's just keep this rolling. Just keep it going. We're starting to build a little bit. I mean, yeah. to be fair, we, we all we all know Chelsea. Uh, Melina is a secret Chelsea fan, anyway. She is. She's a Chelsea fan. Like, don't don't, too, don't get it twisted. She's, she's too kind. Well, she's too obsessed with Chelsea to to not be a little bit of a Chelsea fan. Uh-huh. In my defense, you all put me in a uh, Chelsea group chat with one random Newcastle fan <laughs> and the rest are all Chelsea To be fair, Steve supports about 50 clubs. He's a fan <laughs> of the game. <laughs> Listen to this, Matt. I'll leave you with this because this is a funny little quip from Mauricio. It says, Nizar Kinsella is reporting, Mauricio Pochettino reveals that Enzo and Caicedo were not fully fit yesterday against Arsenal, but joked about what the owners and everyone would do to him if he didn't play them. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think, I, I think unless they're uh, struggling with injuries, I think they'll be playing near enough every day. I mean, I mean, oh. Todd Bowley and Egg Bolly would, would, would come down to the, the, the to the, uh, um, to the dressing room 
and put Mauricio on one of those racks that stretches you out, they would they would put him on the rack if he did not play Caicedo and Enzo. It would be a wrap for Pochettino. And he's joking, but I don't think he's really joking. You cannot bench those two players. They cost way too much money, man. Way too much. Maybe uh, you might you might get away with just benching one of them, but benching both of them, not Oh, my chance. God. Um, the fan base would kill him. Oh, def- boy. I mean, they, they nearly killed him yesterday for just not playing a striker, let alone anything else. Um, Masterclass. Uh, Anyway, we will end this wonderful pod. It's been an hour and 30 minutes of wonderful debate, wonderful banter. Um, As usual, you will find this on this channel. We are not like any other Chelsea podcast. We are better than the rest. So please continue to listen to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. This is the Blue Code Project signing out. Up the Chelsea and screw the Arsenal. (laughs) 